If you've got your Bibles, open with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. And let's look at, let's look at some, a very famous little passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I've been talking about why we are here. Why, why, why do we exist as human beings? Why has God placed us on this earth? And I've given you three things. Number one, He's placed us here to worship Him and have relationship with Him. Number two, He's placed us here for relationship, to live in community with other people. Number three, He's placed us here with a certain assignment and gift mix in our lives to fulfill. And then today I'm going to deal with the final piece of this. And, and I've, I've worked around ways, different ways to, to, to approach this. And I'm just going to say it like this. We are here, you are here to be like Jesus. You are here to be like Jesus. I could say you're here to develop spiritually, to grow as a disciple, to reach spiritual maturity, but I'm just going to say it in a vivid way, a pictorial way. You are here to be like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined. Listen to be conformed to the image of His Son. Those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, those He also called, whom He called, those He also justified, whom He justified, He also glorified. Just, just a note, just a theological note on this, I really think calling is wrapped up in foreknowledge. I know that doesn't go over with some people, but it's the, it's the order of this text. That he foreknew, then he, he calls and foreknows instead of calling by... Um, I'm getting into something here. Anyway. But he calls according to foreknowledge, I think. Anyhow. But why does he call? Why does he call us out? Why does he do that in our lives? He calls us out so that we might be conformed to the image of His Son. I mean, sure, He calls us out to redeem us, to give us a place in the kingdom, to do amazing things for our lives, but He also is going to put us on the potter's wheel. And He's going to start working on us so that we turn out like Jesus. So, I, I, I think that I think that sometimes us in the Spirit-filled circles, we... Um, we love events and we love the experience and we love the, the encounter with God and all that stuff. I love it. I, I, me more than you all. Okay? But sometimes because we're wired like that, we often don't emphasize enough the discipline of serving the Lord. The daily discipline of walking it out. Spiritual disciplines. Going through the uh, exercises you need to go through to become more like Jesus. And anytime we talk about a subject like this, I want, to, I want to properly balance it. Because sometimes we can get all into this, what we need to do to be holy, to be like Jesus, and it becomes just a bunch of legalism, and it becomes a yoke around us that God never intended. But if we don't emphasize it at all, we're just living over here in the experience and the event of things, and we may never go forward and progress as believers. So I want to see a balance in this that we do the disciplines, we do the things we need to do 
to become more like Jesus and it's all saturated and soaked in a whole bunch of His grace. Amen? Amen? Because anytime you go to, you say, I'm going to become more like the Lord. I'm going to dedicate myself to pray more. Boom. Well, that's a great decision. Then you start praying, you set a time and you get up and if you miss a day, then here comes the condemnation pounding you down and you have to just you have to not live under condemnation, but you just have to say, okay, Lord, I'll pick it up tomorrow. I'll get back tomorrow and I'll get back to praying and I'm not going to live under this yoke of guilt. I'm going to live in grace. And, and uh, we're saved by grace, right? Amen. And we're not saved by works. I can't just do things to save myself. I'm saved by grace. But once I am saved then I'm expected to do good works and I'm saved unto good works because now God works in me both to will and to do the works of God. Now I'm able to do the works of God because of His grace on my life. Y'all tracking with me? Give me a wave out there this morning. Amen. So we have to get a vision of what it should look like to be like Jesus. We get a vision of it, and then once we get a vision of it, we invite the grace of God into our lives to say, now Lord, help me be like that. Give me the supernatural ability, the supernatural touch to let me be like that. And then, yes, it's good to make a plan. and Say, now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to love people, I'm going to forgive others, I'm going to fast. I'm, we do the things that we should do to match the grace of God in our lives, or so to speak. Can you shout amen? amen. Y'all get what I'm saying? So I'm going to give you three decisions you need to make here that is going to make you more like Jesus if you follow it out. First of all, you need to decide. You need to make a decision that you will go on, move on towards spiritual perfection. And I'm intentionally using that word perfection to shock you. <laughs> You need to move on to spiritual perfection. Listen to, Rome, listen to Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to perfection. That means not to moral perfection and sinlessness as has been assumed in the past by some groups. It doesn't really mean that. What it means is we're moving toward maturity. We're moving toward an end. We're moving toward completion. Teleos in the Greek, the end. We're moving toward full maturity. Because there were some who taught in the past that you could reach a level of sinlessness in this life. And that is, uh, and it's through the power of sanctification. And, it's, and we, we are those people. We're the holiness people, right? But um, we found out that some who taught that ended up sinning horribly. And so I like to just say we can make it to spiritual perfection and sin doesn't have to reign in your life. But no, you can fail and if and when you fail, you have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous who forgives us of all sin. But just because we know that we're not perfect, morally sinlessness, though we haven't reached that, 
that still doesn't mean we shouldn't be on the pathway and the journey toward spiritual perfection or spiritual maturity. It doesn't mean, you know, some I think have taken this laissez-faire attitude and said, we all sin every day, so let's just let it, let's just live it up. And that's not what God wants. That's not, that's against all the tenor of Scripture. He wants us to be pursuing a righteous life and pursuing holiness, pursuing spiritual maturity, but realizing that we're not home yet. That we don't have our glorified bodies yet. That we're still fighting a real devil, dealing with real flesh and dealing with real people. So we got a lot of work to do, but we are on the pathway. We're on the highway called holiness. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect, Jesus said, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 19, 21, he said, if you want to be perfect, he told the rich young ruler, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Ephesians 4.13, Paul said, God is looking for a church that's developing and maturing till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. God is constantly leading us upward and onward. Go on to spiritual maturity or spiritual perfection. Why am I saying this? Because I think so many people just live a nominal Christian life. They're Christian in name only. Or they grew up in church. You ask them a question, are you a believer? Yeah, I grew up at first church. But that's not what we're asking. Do you know the Lord? Have you had an experience? Has God touched your life? Have you repented of your sins? Because as David Duplessis said years ago, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. I can't make it in just on the merits and righteousness of my grandparents. I have to make it in on my encounter and relationship with the Lord. No man can enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, unless he's been born again, born of the water and of the Spirit. And let me just add some hot sauce onto that. The Bible says we will be judged according to our works. You ever think about that? I know we're grace people, but it's said over and over and over again in Scripture, we'll be judged according to our works. So it's important to do something. It's important to move the football spiritually down the field a few yards at a time. And you can do that in your life. I want you to be encouraged by this message, not just beat up by this message. I want to encourage you that you can, this week, upcoming, this year, this month, you can move the football down the field in your life spiritually, and you can look at yourself a year from now and think, wow, look what God has done in my life. Look what the Lord has done in my life. I was reading a a discipleship uh, website the other day, and I love this guy said, This guy said, I I became intentional over the past year about my spiritual life. He said, one thing I said I'm going to deal with is lust in my life. And I'm going to take a year, and I'm going to read Scripture. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to ask God to take it out of my life. And he said, the Lord did. Then he said, there was something else in his life. I forgot what it was, forgiveness or something. I'm 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 going to target this this year in my life. And I'm going to ask God to soften my heart to where I walk in forgiveness toward other people. And he did it, 
and God did His part. See, sometimes we think we're just left with this stuff and we have to deal with them the rest of our life because it's in our DNA or that's the way my dad was. That runs in my family. You don't have to accept that. God has come to totally change your life and transform your thinking, renew your mind according to the Word of God. God has come to give you victory in every part of your life. He's come to set you free. He's come to move you to a greater level, a higher plane, a higher height, a deeper depth. He's come to take you to a whole new realm of serving Him. How many people have I encountered in church have been going to church for years and years, but then they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it totally transforms their life after serving the Lord for 40 years. And they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and it revolutionizes everything. Or maybe they read the Bible through for the first time. I had a man that went to church with me, served on a deacon board with me, wonderful human being, and uh, been in church his entire life. Grew up in a denominational church, got married, and his wife dragged him to a Pentecostal church. (laughs) Some of y'all are like that in here. And, and he ended up in this Pentecostal church. And one year, I challenged them on Wednesday nights as I would teach the Bible to read through the Bible. That man read through the Bible that year. And we were in a business meeting with him at around the same time. And we started praying and the Holy Spirit hit that room. And that man received the baptism of the Holy Spirit after having been in church probably 50 years of his life in a business meeting after reading through the Bible. There's hope for you. God can take you to the next level this year. Come on, this week you can start making a change in your life. You were That's why you're here. You're not here just to take up space and breathe air. You're not just here to watch Netflix and eat pizza. You're not just here to look at TikTok for 14 hours a day. You are here to make a difference on planet Earth. You are here to live a spiritual life. You're here to display the greatness and goodness of God to people. You're here to display the power of the kingdom in your family and in your realm of existence. You are here to make a positive impact on somebody. You're here to live a life so that when we preach your funeral one of these days, we're going to say this this person for sure is over there shouting today because they lived a life that testified. I don't have to dream up and worry about what I'm going to say over you and try to make something up because I know your life. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. <laughs> I have been there. Like, what am I going to say over this person? They had beautiful teeth. <laughs> they... Drove a nice car. I don't know. I want to well, I want to get up over you and you've already preached your funeral because you've lived that life for years. Come on, punch somebody next to you. Tell them wake up now. Decide you're not going to stay where you're all, you are, but you're going to go on to spiritual perfection. Number two, I want you to decide to become like Jesus. If we have a model, it's Jesus. If we have a model, it's Him. And it's so simple that we often bypass it. It's so simple, we often just walk over it. Let me just share a few, a few characteristics of His character, okay? Or a few aspects of His character. First of all, Jesus was humble. If you read Philippians chapter 2, it said that, that you should have the same mind as Christ had. What was that? He left heaven 
He came down and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death and gave his life for you and I. That's called humility. Someone who gives up the highest rank of all and the greatest authority of all to come down and live the life of a common person so that he might win us. That was, and Paul is saying, if you guys want to have unity in your church, have that kind of attitude. The opposite attitude causes disunity. That is, I'm here and where's my seat? And y'all going to bring me something to drink because you know who I am. I'm Apostle Hans and y'all need to be... That's the attitude that stinks to the high heavens. That's not the attitude of Christ. He left it all and gave it all up for our sake. Jesus also endured suffering. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter that you should follow in His footsteps. Peter said you should follow in His footsteps. Why? Because he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And him, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Amen. So he's saying, if you're being mistreated, here's what you need to think about. So was Jesus. We're Americans and we live in a democracy and we want to argue over everything and protest over everything. And a lot of times that's right. I'm not saying it's all wrong. But sometimes that attitude gets us in this mindset that we're not going to endure anything. And sometimes as a believer, you just have to walk through some things and not lash out against people. You have to walk with the right spirit and watch what you say. You have to tame, tame, tame tone, tone down the Facebook sometimes. It's going to be nice. I promise myself I'm being nice at it. But sometimes we get, sometimes, you know, the fun, it's okay. Let me just go there. Social media is a platform where you can say anything without retribution. I cannot know you, but I can impugn your character. That's wrong. This is wrong. It's poison to society. It's poison to our young people. That I can just rip you and I don't even know you. I have no relationship. See, I should be able to criticize you once I have relationship with you. And if I have relationship with you, then I can speak into your life and bring constructive criticism. There's a difference between constructive criticism and just harsh, raw criticism. If I have constructive criticism, it comes out of a heart of love that I'm trying to win you back and trying to get you back on the right track. Just to rip you is because I have a mean spirit. And I just want to break you down. And I want to see you hurt. That's, the, that's not the spirit of Jesus. And I didn't plan any of these things beforehand to say. They're just coming out. Come on, somebody. He endured suffering. He lived sacrificially. He was forgiving. Even to the point to when He was on the cross, He looked out at those crucifying Him and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. How much better would our life and our society be if we all had forgiving spirits about it? Because the Bible says if you don't forgive others, the Father will not forgive you. So if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you need to run to the altar today and lay it on this altar and get rid of it so God can forgive you. 
And plus, when you walk in unforgiveness, it sets up bitterness in your spirit, which eats away at you physically. It decays the bones. And when it eats away at you, then it shuts up heaven and the blessings of heaven from coming into your life. And it seals off the work of the Holy Spirit to where He can't minister in and through you like He wants to. Because you're walking around because you wouldn't forgive Joe 15 years ago because he stole a tire from you. Well... Come on, somebody, hallelujah. Some of y'all need to forgive your spouse. They said something and you just took it the wrong way and you've been carrying that for about three months. You love some Jesus but won't speak to each other in the hallway. Come on, somebody, hallelujah. That ain't y'all though, that's the other church down the road. But anyhow, you got to learn to forgive. You let it go. And there's an amazing thing that happens. When you let that go, the floodgates of heaven open up on you. God comes and brings blessing into your life. And then the flow of the Holy Spirit is open. Hallelujah. And God can do amazing things through you. Come on, lift your hands and say, I want to be like Jesus. Now, Jesus did, was bold for the things that matter. He stood up to the religious crowd. And man, he called them vipers and serpents and whitewashed tombs and he called them out. You strain a gnat and swallow a camel? You know what that means? You pick out the finest detail of religious obedience and legalism, but yet you take in the biggest bunch of stuff into your spirit and swallow all of this, but you're a... a, nitpicking on one little issue. So Jesus stood up. He was bold for the things that matter. He went into the temple courts and cleaned them out because there were people ripping off people in the temple courts. They were taking advantage of the poor people. Jesus overturned their tables, ran them out with a whip. He was bold for the things that mattered. I think we should be bold for the things that matter. For the things that matter. There's some things that matter that's going on right now. And we need to be bold about. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus worked miracles. He was a miracle worker. Everywhere He went, He went about doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil, Acts 10, 38. He was a miracle worker. How many want to be like Jesus? I want to be like him. I want to be able to walk into some place and heal the sick. I want to be able to walk into some place and, and mend up the brokenhearted. I want to be able to walk in some place and be able to speak words of life over people. I want to walk in and be able to raise the dead. Come on, hallelujah. He did it. He said we could do it. I want to walk in that same... I want to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? He'd heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What would Jesus do? He would forgive people. He would take care of people who were uh, marginalized in society. What would Jesus do? He would stand up for things and be bold for those things that matter. And he would even speak against things that needed to be spoken against. Can somebody shout hallelujah? How many want to be like Jesus? I'm going to give you one more decision you need, to, you need to make then. And that is you need to decide to do something. Start somewhere. Begin today with doing something. Start with one thing. 
Start with just one thing. Is there one thing you can do that'll push the spiritual football down the field another yard? Is there one thing you could do today? Is there one thing you could decide this day, I'm leaving out of this church and I'm not going to forget this message when I get in my car. I'm not going to forget it when I go out to lunch. I'm going to think about it and I'm going to make a plan to do this this week. Let me give you some suggestions in case you can't think of any. Number one, how about you begin praying this week? How about you begin your day in prayer? It can be as simple as taking five minutes aside and saying, Father, I need your help today. God, I'm going about my day. Lord, help me, Jesus. Prayer is about humility. Prayer isn't about showing God how spiritual we are. Prayer isn't about flaunting our Bible knowledge in front of God. He knows it. He wrote it. He created you. He knows you're smart. He made you. Amen? But prayer is about humility. It's about me coming before God and saying, God, I can't do this without your supernatural help. I need you to open the doors, to give me the ability, to make the connections, to give me health, to give me the right attitude. I need your help today, and I'm asking you to come on my behalf and shift this day for me. And if you started each day like that, five, ten minutes, how would it shift your life? I guarantee you. If you did that for 30 days, 60 days, you would come back and testify of something that God has done in your life on a daily basis because you just decided, I'm going to do this. If you decided, maybe your one thing is, I'm going to pray with my family. I'm going to pray with my wife. We're just going to pray together. We're just going to pray together. And if it's a few minutes before bed, if it's a few minutes to begin the day, if it's praying with the kids at night, whatever it is, I'm telling you, If you do that, I guarantee you'll move the football down the field another yard in your spiritual life. Can somebody shout amen in here? Maybe for you it's reading the Bible like my friend I talked about. Maybe you need to say this year I'm going to read the New Testament through. I'm going to start with Matthew, walk it all the way through Revelation. And I guarantee if you do that, God will speak to you. Why? Because if you're reading the Word, He's going to speak to you. Amen? Or maybe you want to read a daily Bible verse. That's great. Just make sure you put it in context. But daily verses are wonderful. Maybe you want to read through the whole Bible. Maybe you want to read through the Scripture with your spouse or with your kids or with a friend. Maybe you want to meet for Bible. Maybe you want to attend a life group. Maybe you want to get in a life group where you can study the Bible, you can pray with somebody, and it just moves the spiritual needle in your life more toward the full side than the empty side. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Maybe your thing this year, maybe your one thing is you just need to learn how to share your testimony with somebody. You just need to write it down and learn in a three-minute format how to share your testimony with someone that you meet on the street. Make it concise. Make it powerful. Show what God, how, your life before, how God changed your life, and how He can change their life. Maybe you need to learn the four spiritual laws or evangelism explosions hand Thing, or share Jesus without fear, William Faye's book. Something like that. We just learn a one, two, three step to lead somebody to Jesus. We have a, a dear brother in our church who really was into apologetics and he started studying these different arguments for the faith. And, and then one day uh, a family called him and said, would you meet with our son? He's really wrestling. He's kind of a skeptic. And, and my friend said, sure, I'll meet with him. So they met, I think at Starbucks and, and I think it was closed. So they just got in a cab with a pickup truck or something. And they were sitting there, and he said he started going over these arguments and started defending the faith. 
apologeo in Greek, to make a defense. He started to defend the faith. And then they went through several of these arguments intelligently. And he came to the end. And my friend said, now would you like to accept Jesus into your heart? And the guy said, yes, I would. And he led him to Christ. Started the conversation off as a skeptic. Ended the conversation as a born-again believer. Come on. Maybe that's your one thing this year. I'm going to learn how to share my testimony. I'm going to do that. Maybe your one thing this year is you just need to get involved in a ministry group. Go to the Welcome Center and talk to those guys. Get involved. Get involved on the, on the parking team. Get involved, get involved somewhere in the church because Jesus, you know, when in the book of Acts it says, I'm going to tell you about what Jesus both began to do and teach to do and teach. Discipleship isn't just about academic learning. It's about doing and learning. It's about getting your hands into something as well as you learn. And as you start working, God starts increasing your capacity to receive. And then you start expanding out. One Think about the book of Acts chapter 6. They all started out with seven deacons. Those deacons went out and became evangelists. And eventually by Acts like 19 or 20 somewhere there, they encounter Philip. He was a deacon. Now he's Philip the evangelist. Why? Because I think they started expanding the area of what they were giving to God in their area of gifting, and God started increasing it. Maybe you start out in the nursery. Maybe you end up as a missionary. Maybe you start out parking cars, and you end up preaching revivals. I don't know. Who knows? God is able to do all of that. Can somebody shout amen? Can I talk to you as a pastor? Maybe your one thing is you need to go to church on a regular basis. Stop coming once every six weeks. I can't help you much like that. You come on a regular basis, you're going to get this poured into your spirit. You're going to get encouraged by all the brothers and sisters around you. Garner and this team's going to jack you up for Jesus with music. You're going to have somebody pray for you. You're going to have to greet people in the foyer who love you. You're going to have to maybe go to a Sunday school class where some people love Jesus. You might get involved in a donut ministry, going reaching out to somebody. You might get involved in a senior trip going to Amish country. They got one of the coolest ministries in the church. You might get involved in youth ministry ministry going out. Today they're doing Fields of Faith down in Chowan County. Hallelujah. My daughter is down there with the Edenton team reaching some kids for Jesus today. Come on. If you come to church, you might fall into some stuff like that. You might get involved with these guys that go to the prisons or go to the jails on a regular basis and witness the love of Jesus. You might get involved with some of these people who pray. Hallelujah. You might come in and fall in with the healing rooms on Tuesday night who meet every Tuesday night laying hands on the sick and believing God to do miracles. Yeah, no wonder the devil doesn't want you to come to church. He makes it look... This is... <laughs> I'm wild today. I don't even know if we can use this for TV. but It's like he makes Netflix. It's like there's a program. There's a series. Dude, you know you don't want to miss that. But I've got church. No, 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 no. You need to finish out this series. What are you smoking? I mean... But the devil gives you thoughts like that. You know, like, man, I didn't get to mow my yard this week. I got Sunday. Come on, prudence, priorities. Get the priorities straight. And God will make room for everything else. 
God will make room for everything else. We got a gentleman in our church. He said, Hans, I wasn't tithing. I wasn't tithing. He said, I can't do that. We're broke. We can't rub two dimes together. But he said, we're going to try it. So they started tithing. Now he has a new home. The Lord has blessed him with some wonderful kids. The Lord has blessed them financially. And God just opened a major ministry door up for them. But the devil comes and says, no, 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 no. If you do that, you won't be able to go to City Grill on Tuesday night. I could say so much right now. If you do that, you might not be able to make the payment on the sea do. Give God a shot. Give Him a chance. Prove me says the Lord. See if I won't open the windows of heaven. Pour you out a blessing that you don't even have room to receive. Just give him a shot. Maybe that's your one thing. Come on, I've been praying for some people to get debt free. I'd like to have church. Our church is debt free. I'd like for every one of y'all to be debt free. You say, that's impossible, Hans. No, all things are possible to him who believes. You get your priorities straight. Believe God to pay off everything, including your house. Hallelujah. Why do you need that? So you can be, be free to do anything you want to for Jesus. If God asks you to write a $10,000 check to missions, you can give a $10,000 check to missions and not have to go into bankruptcy. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, maybe that's your one thing to get your financial house in order. Start tithing and giving offerings above that to the men and women of God doing things around the world because in the end, He's not going to ask us to show our wardrobe or our jewelry collection or our bank account. He's going to want to know what we've done for the kingdom and did we finish our assignment on planet Earth. Oh, come on, somebody. Stop being a lazy nominal Christian, kick it into gear, put some octane in your tank, get it into overdrive, saying this year I'm going to be a more on fire, more radical Christian than I've ever been. If you criticize me, just hang on. I will become even more undignified than this. I'll get wilder than this. Hallelujah. I'll get more radical than this. I wasn't placed down here to be a lackadaisical, lukewarm, lazy, no for good, good for nothing Christian. I was placed down here to change this world. I was placed down here to move in the gifts. I was placed down here to prophesy. I was placed down here to give words of knowledge. I was placed down here to lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel to the nations. You were placed down here to lead your family to Jesus. Come on, to get your kids baptized in the Holy Ghost. You were here to make a difference in your neighborhood. You were here to have a marriage that's on fire and a model for young couples. You were here to make a difference. Come on, son. Somebody. Give him a shout, hallelujah. Hey, come on, give him a praise, hallelujah. Yeah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice and give him a praise, hallelujah. Status quo has to go. Things as usual have to go. Church as normal has to go. We got to get to another level. Come on, somebody. We got to, there's revival in the nation right now. I don't want it to pass me by. I don't want it to pass Elizabeth City by. I don't want it to pass Fountain of Life by. I want to be right in the middle of it, right at the front end of it. Come on, somebody. I want to see God do things that we've prayed and believed for decades for Him to do. I want to see some of your lost family you never thought would darken the door of a church. I want 
to see them come in, become radically on fire for Jesus, turned around for the Lord. Come on, are you with me? Come on, are you with me this morning? Give the Lord a praise in here. Hallelujah. Hey, come on, give him a praise. Come on, you're getting set free this morning. You're getting turned loose. forth right now out of that lazy state. Come on, I pull you out for the things of the world that's been pulling you down. I pull you out of that mindset that you can't and it won't happen and it's not going to be. I pull you out of that. I bring you into the possibilities of God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening today, watching with us, opening your heart to the Word of God. It's my highest honor to preach the word. Our church exists to reach people like you. That's why we exist, to be able to communicate the gospel to the entire world. God has given us such an amazing outreach here to be able to do it this way through the internet and stuff. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I pray that God has touched you today, that God has ministered to you, and I want to pray for you right now. If you need to accept the Lord into your heart, give your life to Jesus, or if you need healing in your body or healing in your mind, I want to pray for you right now. Could you join with me? Come on, just make this declaration. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. I repent of all sin and I commit my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you need healing, stretch out your hand. Father, for those who need a healing touch, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you heal them body and mind and touch them right now. We rebuke the disease and sickness that it's afflicting their body, and I pray for a complete wholeness. Come over them in the name of Jesus, and we give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give him praise right where you are. Thank God for everything he's done in your life. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. We love you guys, and it's a privilege to come to you.